Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, live stream church services, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael in part two of his teaching called Learning to Run Again. You know, for some people right now, they're asking questions about God. Professing Christians are asking, why did God allow this? You know, why, why all this stuff going on? I, I can't answer every question, but I can say this to you. I think God is doing a refining work in his church. I think in many ways he is separating the wheat from the chaff. And I will tell you that if by God's grace we get to assemble again, the church is probably going to look a lot different. And maybe that's a good thing. Because wouldn't you agree that as you look at the church, let's just talk about the United States right now, there was a lot of fluff in the church, a lot of arguing about things that don't really matter. Haven't things become pretty simple right now? Haven't they come down to their core issues about what really matters in our life, what we're really living for? See, there's a race to run, my friend, and many Christians have been distracted in the race. We can all put ourselves that right there. It's easy to get distracted as you run. A long-distance run, a marathon, there's all kinds of things that could cause you to want to just give up. I don't want to run anymore. I'm distracted by this. I'm distracted by that. And someone had come onto the track in the Galatian situation, another runner, if you will, and it cut into the lane of many of the Galatians. And the Galatians were tripping one by one. And it's very easy for stumbling blocks to come into our lives in all different packages. They can look attractive and sparkling, but in the end, if they trip us up in the race, they got to go. We got to throw off the weights and every sin that so easily entangles us. I want you to hold your place in Galatians and turn to the book of Hebrews for a second. This is going to be to your right, the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews 12 is a... The first part of Hebrews 12 is a summation of the great hall of faith. In Hebrews 11, all these lives were chronicled of heroes that had run the race before these Hebrew believers. You have Abel. You have Enoch. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. You have Noah and Abraham, Sarah. You have, as uh, the chapter unfolds, people like Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses. You have... uh, the folks who saw the walls of Jericho fall down. You have Rahab in verse 31. The writer says in Hebrews 11:32, we could talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David. Hebrews 11:32, we could talk about Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, probably a reference here to Daniel, quenched the power of, of fire, probably his three buddies in Babylon, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. There's much more that could be said about this great cloud of witnesses here in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. But suffice it to say that these folks were just like you and me. They were normal, say, everyday people who were called by God, just like you as a believer have been called by God, called into a race that he wants you to win. See, the Lord has put you on his team to run a winning race. How are you doing? How is your pace? How is your attitude? 
Are you crumbling under the weight? I was reading a commentator this week who said that he played soccer in high school, and he said, you know, he would have his long summer, and every year when he come back to soccer, one of the things that they would do as a tryout for the team is they would want you to run a mile, and you had to run a mile, I think, under six minutes. And he said he would come back from summer inevitably, even though he's one of the better players on the team, he would inevitably, inevitably be out of shape. And so he said he was uh, a senior in high school, as I recall the story, and he had to run a six-minute mile. And he said he, he decided he was out of shape, but he said, I'm going to just... I'm just going to go hard and hopefully be able to coast into the finish. And he said, first couple of laps, he was doing really well, and he was out in front of everybody, but he was so out of shape that by the time the, the race was three-quarters of the way done, people were passing him one after the other, after the other, after the other. He got out of the gate well. He was running well for a while, but he wasn't in shape, and he didn't finish well. And as he tells the story, he says he, he by God's grace, was able to make the soccer team nonetheless, but... It was a big lesson in his life. If you're not in shape to run, you can start well, but it's not about how you start, brethren. It's about what? It's about how you finish. So we have to pace ourselves, and we have to think about this run in terms of the big picture. And someone had cut in. Just like we saw in Mary Decker Slaney's tragic fall in the 84 Olympics, she was tripped up. Jesus in Matthew 13 and some of the other Gospels tells the story, the parable of the sower or the soils. And as I was reflecting on that parable this week, I can tell you that that parable could be considered the parable of the hearts. Because Jesus says the soil, each of the soils represents the heart of people. And I won't turn you there for a second, but uh, for, for the sake of time, but here's what Jesus says. And you can go back and look at this in Matthew 13. He says about the seed, it's sown in the heart. The first soil never really penetrates, Matthew 13, 19. It sits on the surface and the enemy quickly snatches it away. The second soil immediately receives the word with joy, Matthew 13, 20. It gets out of the gate fast, if you will. It's enthusiastic and running hard, but it's got no staying power. And Jesus says, you know, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and he also uses this in the third soil as well, persecution. Well, eventually that person just falls out of the race. You see, the issue in every, of the, every one of the soils that doesn't produce fruit, and in Galatians 5, we're going to get to the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit, is a hard issue. It's when the word comes. It's not, the issue is not the seed because the seed has life in it. The seed is the word of God. It's the gospel of the kingdom. But the seed hits different kind of soils or hearts. And what makes the difference is that heart condition, that soil condition. And if you recall the parable, Jesus says there's only one soil or one heart that produces good fruit. Persecution, distractions, worries, deceitfulness of riches make uh, all the other soils unfruitful. But there's one soil that produces a great crop, 30, 60, 100 fold. What was the key to that soil? Please listen. In Luke 8, 15, another version of the parable, Jesus says, and the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. Hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Luke eight fifteen. 
It's time to do a heart check, don't you think? And when the word of God goes out, it's the same word. It's the seed of the word of God. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The power is in the seed. But the question is the soil, the condition of the soil. Is it, is it just on rocky ground? Is there a bunch of weeds there choking off the word? And just as Hebrews 12, if you turn back to Galatians chapter 5, just as Hebrews 12 tells us that we have to, uh, and actually I didn't even finish Hebrews 12, so let's go back there. Just as Hebrews 12 is going to tell us to take off the uh, weights, the sin that so easily entangles us, so we have to clean out the soil of our lives. Some of you have been doing that during this time. Back to Hebrews 12. I apologize. Got ahead of myself there. I was, I was summing up the, uh, the heroes in the hall of faith. And in light of those heroes, Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, in light of that great hall of faith and some of the people we named, and we could name more, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, brethren, Hebrews 12.1, let us lay aside every encumbrance. You could also think of the soils here. Every rock, every weed in the soil that's uh, cutting off growth. The sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Here's the key. And this idea in the Greek language means looking away from distractions, looking away from the things that so easily entangle, and looking afresh, learning to run again, looking afresh unto Jesus. What is he? He is the author and perfecter of our faith. That is, he called you to the race, and he will perfect you in the race. And when he brings trials and refining times into our life, it's for the perfecting purposes that will come out the other side uh, more purified than gold in our faith. Who for the joy set before him? See, he did the same thing. He set the mark. He set the pace. He's run the race. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross? This was what he had to endure. Despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you, brethren, will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't you grow weary. Don't you lose heart, says the writer of Hebrews. And if you've studied the book before, go back to Galatians now. People were having their property repossessed for believing in Christ. They were being excommunicated out of the synagogue. Their lives had been upended. A normal everyday life was no longer true for them. To follow Christ was costly. And here we are, you know, we're, we're, uh, I'm here in Southern California, right? It's going to be, uh, the weather's nice. We have a great week of uh, summer-like weather coming ahead of us. But there are people struggling all around because the issue is an issue of the heart here. See, our circumstances, when, when our circumstances get tough, all of a sudden we have to look at our hearts. How do we run? Some of you might be saying, why should I run? Some of you, before this happened, your, your walk was already waning. You were already struggling and toying with sin. And, and now... Maybe you're asking this question, why should I run? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. As you know, the coronavirus pandemic has forced local and state governments to make some regulations to keep people safe. That means Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk-In Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. Many churches are having to face the same shutdown to abide by social distancing regulations. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you, brethren, will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't you grow weary. Don't you lose heart, says the writer of Hebrews. And if you've studied the book before, go back to Galatians now. People were having their property repossessed for believing in Christ. They were being excommunicated out of the synagogue. Their lives had been upended. A normal everyday life was no longer true for them. To follow Christ was costly. And here we are, you know, we're, we're, uh, I'm here in Southern California, right? It's going to be, uh, the weather's nice. We have a great week of uh, summer-like weather coming ahead of us. But there are people struggling all around because the issue is an issue of the heart here. See, our circumstances, when, when our circumstances get tough, all of a sudden we have to look at our hearts. How do we run? Some of you might be saying, why should I run? Some of you, before this happened, your, your walk was already waning. You were already struggling and toying with sin. And, and now... Maybe you're asking this question, why should I run? The Christian life is a race. There's a beginning and there is an end. And by the way, there is a prize to obtain. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. We, an imperishable wreath. A crown that will never perish. I'm amazed by uh, Olympic athletes and and professional athletes and how hard they train and work. Uh, In in the case of Olympic athletes, for a single moment, and you go back to thinking of some races where, you know, uh, people were hurt in the race. They're in the 92 Olympics in Barcelona, uh, a man named Derek Redmond, I think he was running for Great Britain. Uh, he was on the track and he was running a, a distance race and he was a favorite. And as he was running and he was moving out into the lead, his hamstring snapped. And you can see, if you go back and watch this video later on the internet, you can see the agony in his face as he's trying to continue to run. But he can't. He, he, he collapsed. He got back up and he was hobbling to try to finish the race. And out of the stands came his dad. 
And some of the officials, you know, were trying to stop dad and nothing would stop him. And dad came alongside him, tried to encourage him, put an arm, you know, out to help him along and walked his son to the finish line. See, some of you think that you have to do this yourself to make it to the finish line. That's not what this about is about. Every step that you take, and this is what Galatians is all about, is a step that is by saving grace and empowered by empowering grace. That's what Paul is saying. This is not about circumcision. It's not about religion. It's about every step you take being a step that's empowered by the grace of God, by the grace of of Christ. This is what we need to hear. This is the truth of the gospel. This is what separates Christianity from all other religion, religions and isms. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in Galatians, the uh, Christian life is described in these different ways. In verse uh, 7, as a running race, In verse 16, as a walk, take a look, Galatians 5.16, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And then look at 17, it's described as a war. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. And then uh, about a verse later, he's going to get into the deeds of the flesh. See, the flesh wars against the spirit. The Christian life is a running race, metaphor, picture. It's a walk, and it's a war. But we have, here's the good news, we have the Holy Spirit to help us in the race. I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, but you must feed the spirit. Well, how do you do that? You get into the word of God, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You get into worship which gets you in the spirit, if you will. You pray, you fellowship, you share your faith. All the fundamental things that make you a runner fit to run well. Some of you uh, battle your weight and you battle staying in shape. And you know that there's a couple key things for fit people to do. One, they have to have a good diet. You know, it doesn't mean they can't have treats, but they overall have to have a good diet, consistently have a good diet. And what's the second thing? They have to consistently work out. And when you do those two things, you're going to be in shape. It's not hard to figure out how you get in shape. But do you know how many people are actually in shape in our world? Well, probably less than are not in shape because it takes work. And your Christian life takes some work. Now you say, but... Pastor Michael, you were just talking about grace. Yes, you're saved by grace. You're kept by grace. But how you run this race will be determined by your spiritual diet and how often you work out, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? This is not hard to figure out. The people that are ahead in the race, that are still in the race, that are keeping the pace, there's just a couple of simple yet very significant things to do. And those are the things that God is calling you back to, to learn to run again. You've got to do the fundamentals well. And here's the truth. Nobody can do them for you. 
I love those commercials late at night. They, they're selling those things that, you know, allegedly will get you in shape. And it's usually some sort of contraption that, you know, you can strap around your waist and <laughs> just, it kind of moves over your body. And this is going to get you that six pack you've always wanted. Or this is going to get you in shape. It just vibrates you. No, it's not. <laughs> Save your 1999 in three easy payments. You got to actually do it. Look, they call it a workout for a reason because it's work. You got to, have you ever noticed you do a workout and at my age, I'm, I'm pretty much dragged kicking and screaming to every workout I do now. <laughs> my body's like, no, don't do it. But then when I work out, inevitably what happens is my body starts feeling better and those endorphins kick in. It's a pretty amazing thing that the Lord has designed into our body. We, we, we uh, pass a threshold, if you will, in long distance running. I did a little bit way back in the day, and I know that uh, there are so many times on a long distance run where my body was crying out to stop. And then once you pass the threshold, it seemed like things went into autopilot, and it became much easier to keep going. This is the running metaphor. And it's to run well is to obey the truth. Verse 8. <laughs> I'm laughing because I did one verse, but we'll move quickly now. This persuasion, Galatians 5.8, did not come from him who calls you. What persuasion? The persuasion of the false teachers. In Matthew 27, 20, the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. There are so many persuading influences out there, aren't there? They're in the media. They're, in, they're on Internet sites. They're everywhere. And they persuade. And, and whether they know they're persuading or not is almost irrelevant. See, people are persuaded to do a whole ton of things and some outrageous things. Have you noticed that most of, of what you see in this world is trying to persuade you into thinking a certain way? We call it a worldview. And that's what was happening in Galatia with this false teaching. They were trying to reshape the thinking of these believers to add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a big no-no. This persuasion is not from God. Anything that undercuts you in the race and attempts to move you away from the truth of the gospel and following closely the Lord Jesus Christ is not from God. It's a persuasion, but it's not from Him. You're listening to Learning to Run Again, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 5. Just a heads up, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we know times are tough and uncertain right now, so we're not asking for much this time around, just $5. But if you're a new listener, please don't give, because we're blessed just that you're listening, and we hope that you're blessed as well. But if you have been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation is going to go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael. 
Well, as we think about this idea of the race, running the race, what are the persuasions that kind of trip you up? How, how can you avoid persuasions that are not the right ones? You know, I don't think it's that complicated. I think sometimes we're watching something on TV or we've, uh, you know, maybe uh, the mouse has uh, clicked on something that is not edifying and we spend a, a moment or two or three there and maybe you just say to yourself, well, why am I looking at this or what am I doing? And it's, <laughs> you know, as a human being, it's so easy for us to be persuaded in the wrong direction, put on unnecessary weights, get dragged into stuff that's not fruitful. How do you avoid pitfalls and things that are not going to help you? Well, you got to have a game plan. Put on the full armor of God, open your Bible, get into prayer, and you're going to be much stronger to avoid pitfalls and weights that so easily entangle us. And remember that it's easy to fall into them. Well, I want to give a word of encouragement about those of you who are out of work right now. And uh, if you need prayer or uh, you have some something on your heart that you want to share with us on how we might be able to reach out to you, please uh, contact us at walkintruth.com. We'd love to pray for you. You can submit prayer requests there at walkintruth.com. Well, we'll be uh, doing one more study on this great message in Galatians 5, Learning to Run Again. We're so grateful for you. Keep praying for us. We'll catch you tomorrow. Come back tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5 called Learning to Run Again. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always here, our goal is to reach out to you guys with God's truth to encourage, teach, and bless you during a time of hardship. 